Hi there, welcome to an episode of an Inside View podcast in association with On The Ball Team Building. I'm your host, Jamie Finn. If this is your first time listening, please do go back to episode one and have a listen. If you haven't done so already, please do click subscribe. There is a business or sports person in each of us, and we hope that our guest stories will help our listeners to chase their dreams. Welcome to episode 11 of series 4 of an interview podcast with On The Ball Team Building. A special mention again to Sport Endorse who came on board as sponsors for this series. They're an online sports sponsorship platform that connects athletes with businesses all around the world. The Irish-owned online marketplace has over 4,000 athletes to date. For more information, be sure to check out the Sport Endorse website. A big shout out to the Shire Baron Cafe and Clarny who are also supporting the podcast for this series. This week we're delighted to be joined by Collingwood and Kevin J star Ashton Sheridan. She's a multi-talented professional athlete and runs an online training business where she combines her experience as a professional athlete and her education to guide people towards a healthier lifestyle. The Kevin native has carved out a remarkable career for herself in the AFLW since signing for Collingwood in 2020. There's no doubt we have a huge amount to cover, so let's bring her on. Hi Ashling, thanks for taking time out to come on Interview Podcast. I appreciate it. How are you keeping? I'm good and thank you very much for having me on. You are back in Ireland at the moment. Um, so what's the plan? Do you hope to be there for the next couple of months? Yeah, so uh, to be honest, at the moment, there's no real plan. Um, I think I get that, asked this a lot, you know, people have been like, oh, when are you going back? Or, But at the moment, there's um, no plan. I am hoping to play a lot of the county season if possible. So um, that ideally would be my plan. But um, yeah, I, I literally, it could change next week. So I never really say anything until I'm like 100% certain. Depends on the, I suppose, you know, there's a lot up in there at the moment over there with the collective bargaining agreement. Um, mm. Obviously, when this goes out, hopefully it will be sorted by then. But where does this stand at the moment? Yeah, so I was only talking to people in Australia kind of recently because I feel like when I'm not there, I, you nearly like you kind of forget. Not that you forget, but you're not, I suppose, in with it. But um. No, there hasn't really been um a much update, and I suppose it's it is harder. I think sometimes as well for Irish players, like season dates and stuff aside, like then we have to kind of you know we have to go sort visas and um all that kind of thing. So like it is hard because it's so up in the air, and we don't know when the season is starting. Now they are saying roughly it would be between this and this, but I'm like a person who I don't believe anything till it's like set in stone, or I don't say anything till I know for 100% certain. So the fact that there is no specific dates or no specific season length or anything like that, um, it's kind of hard, like as I said earlier on, to make plans. But um, yeah, hopefully I think, I think they have, I read an article there hoping in, hoping to like have a plan in place maybe in the next month or two when they'll know when the draft will be and hopefully come to an agreement with maybe what the next um CBA or collective bargain agreement will look like. But yeah, I suppose um I think for everyone, Irish and Australian, um, we're all kind of like, you know, we don't really know what's going on. When does the season normally run over there? Normally, like normally. So, so um, there's seven seasons done and the first six were always kind of in Australians, the Australian summer. So that was always um, 
November till like it was November till February and then every year the season got longer because um that's that's the aim of it like to hopefully be like the length of the men's season um so that's why it's still semi-professional but so it used to be from November till February and then it kind of or December kind of and then it went November and got it maybe finished a little bit longer and stuff because they didn't want to like clash with the Australian Open which does be on in January so they wanted the games to start after that just for broadcasting rights and things like that and then it was kind of like I remember pre-season started um, in October um, two seasons ago and then so that was October till January, February I think it was October till March ish time or April maybe if you made the grand final and then um, they wanted to kind of run the season along with the men's so then they moved it so now it has moved that it runs from um, it ran from June till November so it like that's why we only had a month or two off last year um, for anyone that was playing the last kind of two seasons um, so I think that's why as well, people never know when you're going back because generally I would have come home in April and would have been home for lo- like a good few months but I actually only got to come home for like three weeks because training was starting back again in June so hopefully if the CBA is agreed and the season is longer meaning like you get to train maybe for an extra week or you get an extra game or two it should be looking maybe like May or June till November start of December so um but the men's season I think the grand final is the end of August so they kind of want the first game to start end of August so you'd be training all from like June till August and then your game starts just so like that um I suppose there's a constant flow of footy being played it's still yeah it's difficult to to judge it it's kind of it's been obviously expanding and it's kind of up in the air but hopefully over the next you know short period it'd be kind of uh you'll know when it'll be every year and you'll be able to yeah. organize things around it um before yeah. before we get into that more i'd like to kind of just bring it back a bit um what was covid like for you i believe you had to isolate in in a hotel for a couple of weeks yeah so um i i actually was only thinking about this not too long ago and um so I was in Australia, it was my first season and I think it was maybe February or March time when it kind of started like hitting and this news of COVID came out. And because I remember my boyfriend was over to visit me and then he had to um, go home a few days earlier because like this virus was, was being talked about. And then like he flew home and then maybe two days later they were like, OK, Dubai airport closed, Abu Dhabi closed, Singapore was closing and um, basically all the airports were closing and myself and some of the Irish were like oh my god like how are we going to get home so I remember like there was like it was all up in the air trying to get us home because no one knew what was going to happen and no one knew what COVID was um so we I got an emergency flight home um oh I, I can't remember it took me it took me I remember I was on one of the flights for over 26 hours by the time because we couldn't get off and we had to lay over and stuff like this um and then I got home and then that's kind of when it all hit and lockdown hit. Now, I'm very lucky. Um, so I have three older sisters and my parents and we were all at home at the time because we all just moved home. Again, no one knew what was happening. But I live out in the countryside. So we had a little gym kind of out in a shed. Like it was like a very, um, we had a few bits of weights and stuff. Um, and then, as I said, we live in the country. So we've like loads of grass area around us and loads of fields. So um very lucky that we all get on really well so like we used to have dinner nights like we might do Mexican one night or like pizza the other night and we were just talking about how much fun it was together because we probably haven't like been together like that in a while and like even in terms of um all my family sporting you know, all my sisters play football so 
um we have the gym so we could you know use the gym or we have the grass area down like below our house which we did so much running on that grass it actually traumatized me and um, because football obviously wasn't on and um to be, I remember though as well the weather was really nice so I remember it was actually for me I was very lucky we had a lovely time and I suppose when I was at home then I kind of was like okay what's my plan going to be because no one knew and I had coached circuit classes and stuff before and then that's kind of I think where my online business started because then I started coaching um online hit classes I used to just do them out in a room in my house um and you know people really interested and for me COVID worked well because in that sense when I was home in Ireland um it's where my online business started and I had such lovely family time and then obviously um Australia had closed its border so when it came to come back for the next season and they didn't know if a season was going to happen um it was very hard to get flights to Australia I remember when we did fly it was the next December I think me and some of the AFLW girls like the Irish I think there was maybe six or seven of us so we knew we had to do a hotel quarantine which we were supposed to do in Adelaide for two weeks then you know Mel or Australia hadn't been hit with COVID at the time so um, they were still living life. So once we had done our two weeks quarantine, we would have been able to, you know, um, get a flight to Melbourne. But then I remember the night before it got changed and we were flying into Perth and we had to do a two week hotel quarantine um, and get out. We got out on Christmas Day, um, but it was it was definitely strange because it was completely different. Like I remember it was in Perth and it was 30 degrees and quarantine itself was absolutely fine. I think the hardest part was the fact that it was Christmas um, at home and I was literally spending the two weeks of Christmas um, in a hotel room and I couldn't go outside I couldn't open the window but um, again I kind of was like concentrating on my online business and you know it was sometimes it gave you a chance to do things for yourself and we got to play that season and then I got to go home and then COVID had hit Australia so I kind of dodged it there and got to go home and I remember like then um, Ireland has started to open up and Australia was in lockdown and then had to do a second hotel quarantine the next season, which we actually got to do in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, I think the second time round was definitely the hardest because you knew we knew what you was ahead of you. Whereas the first time we did um the quarantine, it was kind of all new. Whereas the second time, yeah, I remember they were trying to get gym equipment and stuff into us, which was a struggle. Um, but yeah, look at it, could have been so much worse. So um, it was fine. Had you any takeaways from that period? Like, do you think? If I don't know at the time, you know, we got truth and you, you, you got truth. But looking back, do you have any kind of takeaways or effects maybe from it? Um, I think one thing it kind of like it made me really appreciate the small things and be grateful for the small things. And I know people might say that, but like, um, in one sense, like as I said in the lockdown in Ireland, I got to have like such wonderful family time. Like we actually had such a lovely time. We were very lucky. We kind of lived out in the open and in the countryside. So. Um, we just got to do things like just you know like whether it was paint a shed or something at home like we were in our own surroundings um, and then I suppose then when you're in, in um, quarantine and you're like oh my god like I, I really wish I could just open a window and get some fresh air so you're appreciating the fact that you can literally when you're not in quarantine you can go outside and get some fresh air or you can talk to someone or you can um, you know go to the gym whereas like when you were like, when you were in the room for two weeks um, and like even the little thing of Christmas um so yeah like getting to spend Christmas with the family was lovely um and then obviously then when you weren't spending Christmas with your family and you're on your own like it just kind of makes you appreciate the small things I'd like to bring um you know bring my guests back to kind of you know where, where they grew up and what shaped them into the person they are today and you're already touching it that there's you've three older sisters um 
and I believe you you came from a J stronghold, a J strong household, I should say. Um, I said the, the conversations were interesting around the dinner table after a, a loss, were they? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's probably not the best place to be if you lose a game to come back to my house because it's a full in-depth analysis and a lot of people will call so it's kind of like there'll be maybe 10-15 of us sitting around a table and um, you know cousins or whoever will be there and we'll be going through the game so um but no it, it is it's great though all the same like it's it's good and very like grateful to have the chance to I'm the youngest so there's four girls and we all played club football together and two of my sisters were on the county team with me um the last few years and stuff so um you know which is very nice to have that family element and my mom only recently stopped playing football there a few years ago so um it was a full family affair but uh, no it really helped shape me into the player I am today and you know they were always the people I looked up to was there any point you questions that like I suppose first of all was there a point that you decided you wanted to commit 100% to to Gaelic football um yeah that that question first I'd like to, to delve into um probably I don't no think choice, there was any it? point well yeah because <laughs> not that there was no choice but I think it was just kind of engraved in us but not, never forced upon us all the same like um my dad played county football and was over Manny's of teams and county you know Cavan ladies at certain stages and my mom played um county football too so I think just growing up and as I so I think I was just always at football training whether it was my mom was training and we were just brought and you know run around collect footballs whatever or my dad was coaching a team and um you know he'd have us start give us a head start and he'd be doing runs with the players and you know they'd have to catch us kind of thing we'd get a head start and we'd be doing runs so or we'd be collecting the footballs if you know they were taking shots and stuff and that was literally just my entire childhood or I'd be going to my sister's games or even just training with them and I was like, young like I'd be playing with under 14 and stuff very young age and stuff um so I don't think there ever was a point where I said I'm going to commit 100% but I think it was just all I knew and all I wanted to do all the same I just knew I just wanted to play football I just wanted to play for Calvin and I wanted to do the best I could be and that was kind of I think just I think my whole childhood kind of shaped that into me as well is it true that you played with the senior team when you're 13 yeah so I, 13 and I, I think some of my sisters were the same 12 or 13 now it's funny when I look at 12 or 13 year olds now and I'm like <laughs> oh my god I, I couldn't imagine them talking out with a senior team but as I said we were training with them like not fully training with them but like dad would be over us or mom or would be involved or someone would be around so we were always partaking in the training whether we were on the team or not you know like doing a bit of solo runs or stuff so um yeah my first club game I think was when I was 13 and then I think I was on the senior county panel at 16 so um yeah it's uh, from a very young age <laughs> you did you did other sports as a child um and do you do you want to kind of delve into what they were and how they complemented each other yeah so the funny thing is we were never we were never at home like we were always on the go because all the different age groups, one would be under 16, one would be under 14, I'd be under 12. So we were kind of always, one would be training at a different time. But yeah, sports wise, oh, I don't think there's a sport I didn't play. Probably athletics was the one that we focused on a lot, um, as well as football. Um, played a lot of rounders, played, um, did horse riding for a good few years, um, did Irish music throughout my whole childhood, only finished when I started college. 
Um, so I do that once a week. Um, played soccer and basketball was another one of my kind of main sports. So um, badminton, um, yeah, like soccer. And, <laughs> yeah, never really got into camogie. Unfortunately, it wasn't kind of big, which is one sport I wish I could play. But um, yeah, no, it, literally we did everything and anything. If there was any community games, people looking for a team in some sport, Olympic handball I did for a good while. We did that in community games and got really far. And then athletics probably was one that we all kind of had something. Um, apart from cross country, that I did that. I had to do that. But that was the one thing I absolutely hated was cross country. Um, and I never forget Sunday mornings being like mad, go to cross country and have to run around a field. And it was just awful. But um, yeah, so I suppose all them sports complemented each other and then um, complemented football, especially just coordination and stuff like that. And, you know, even basketball, the sidestepping, and the feet coordination and soccer and all of them yeah they already I suppose helped out do you think that it really benefited you when you went over to Australia that you know the coordinating and getting rid of the ball quickly as well yeah that definitely and I think as well just the fact that like um just sport was something that I had such an interest in and you know I could take to it very well um and probably that helps too but definitely like the hand coordination and being able to adapt and learn a game quite quickly and um, because if you're doing one sport and then you're going to another training you have to be able to like you know um change over but I do remember now that I'm just talking thinking about this one time in a basketball game I had passed the ball so I got so <laughs> confused so you know sometimes that does happen where I like get my sports mixed up and um, I remember the ref was just kind of like I don't even know what to do here because that's um, I just don't know I just literally hand passed the ball to someone I was like oh my god like that was so bad um, but yeah no it definitely helped then trans- transition into a new sport in Australia and even just being able to adapt in different environments and different teammates and stuff like that there's so much to that as well yeah on, on that point um, you know when you went to Australia I, I know we're kind of skipping over to Kevin part which we'll delve into in a few minutes but when you went to Australia how do you find that you know embedding yourself into life there and, and into the club and into the culture um yeah and it definitely takes a bit of time and us like, especially over there they're so big on the culture and what you can bring to a team so like even before you sign with a team you probably talk to them and if you don't have the personality they want they won't have any interest so they they take that into consideration it's not like um you know you can just go out for trials no they interview you and get a feel of the type of person you are what your values are um what culture you may, might bring you know all kind of thing but when I first moved out to Australia I was very lucky to be living with two um two of the girls on the team for my first two years um and one of them was Irish so that like that was just like second nature to me I we flew over together we all lived together so we were going to training together doing skills together and um, everything like that so for me that was definitely the best help for me because I I wasn't going into something completely new in terms of like on my own I had um you know the two girls to rely on and then as well as that um I found that the, like the girls on my team are so open and friendly so like straight away after your first training or two they were so friendly and um, so nice so it you just warmed up to them really quickly and how did the opportunity of, of Australia come about so it came about um I remember I feel like it might have been in August or something and um there was this thing I just don't know where it came up but to come up on my Instagram or something about cross coders and the opportunity to play AFLW or something and I got shortlisted I think it was and 
had to send like skills videos and stuff and then um they gave us this opportunity to go to Australia for a week. I never forget like reading the email being like, wait, I can't believe this is happening. Um, it was with the cross coders and I think 18 of us went to Melbourne for a week. So we took part in our own kind of little combine, like your 2K test, your um, speed test. And then we played like a game against, um, I think some like VFLW girls over there. And it gave, I suppose, um, other teams a uh, chance to look at us and how we might adapt to the game. Um, so I know some girls got picked up at that, but we all entered into the draft. So you got to like have chats with the teams. And again, they got to figure you out as a person and whatnot. Um, and one team kept in contact with me. You know, they were really interested, but they just didn't have the numbers on the team for me. So they were like, we definitely would be interested in you next year. So um, they kept in contact with me and it just so happened, I think we lost the league semi-final the Cabin and we had like a four-week break, I think before championship started. So I think I was missing a club league game, but I wasn't missing any county. And this team was like, look, at the VFLW season has started over here. We'd love to fly you up to Darwin and um, to a team, Northern Territory. And we'd love to get you in training with them and in maybe play a game or two if you can um can you go and I was like oh yeah definitely um it just worked that I wasn't missing anything really and got to fly up there so I got to train with them for three or four weeks up in Darwin and they happened to have um a VFL game um they had I got to play two VFL games I think with them and one of them was against Collingwood in Melbourne um so that's kind of then I remember so um, VFL is basically, um, I'm trying to think of the easiest way to explain it. So your AFLW competition is your like, um, basically your county football, let's just say. And then VFL would be kind of like club, but it's it's not, it's it's a little bit different, but that's probably the best way to explain it. Just so you play club football and hopefully then VFL girls will get, or the club t- girls will get picked up to play county as such. Um, so we were playing against Collingwood's kind of club team um and then they contacted me literally the next day and other teams then that were in melbourne and all over australia adelaide and stuff got to see and um, footage of me playing and me training so they were like okay this is an irish girl um so i ended up getting a few offers from a, diff- a few different teams um and i remember that flight home then because i flew home like two or three days later after playing collingwood and i remember just kind of had to make a decision you know who i maybe wanted to sign with so it kind of worked out like everything happens for a reason i truly believe that because i remember being like so devastated when i didn't get picked up in the draft but i really don't think i would have been ready to move out to australia at that time whereas fast forward nine months and then i have a choice to pick maybe who i might like to play for and things like that and i was definitely more ready and um to make that change to move over to melbourne and move across the world so um yeah i ended up obviously picking collingwood and have been with them since you said you went out and you did um you went out initially and you you did the the tests and and all that when you did the tests were you very far behind those other players or, or where were you um, I rem- I'm trying to think to like my tests with Collingwood. I actually wasn't. I was. Um, I think I remember in the strength tests and stuff. I was definitely up. I think when we did the two, we had we only did the two K. I think once, and I was in the top maybe seven. I was I was quite up there. Um, and then we um retested again and stuff. So that was fine. So I was kind of I was definitely in the top ten. 
and then the year I think um then I've I've just got fitter since but that's kind of been from my own training and better like my nutrition and stuff like that and um, but like I then remember once we did the yo-yo and I was in like the top two in the yo-yo and um we did the bronco and I was top three so um I I think that that's the case for a lot of Irish we're definitely all within the top um few in the numbers so that means like oh, it doesn't mean that but that's a good sign that those players going over in general you know the gap isn't that that wide physically no definitely physicality wise no physically and i think that's one thing they can't get over with the irish is how it's an amateur sport but when it comes to the gym or fitness setting we're all really really good and we're all committed and we all want to do the extras and work hard and get better and get better and they're kind of like it's crazy unlike even things like our nutrition we're all really in tune with that as well and i think that's one thing they're like it's crazy for an amateur sport to see how the irish are they're nearly some of the fastest they're the fittest and you know their strength numbers and stuff like that are crazy so and I think they look for that as well like and that's why they keep looking to Irish as well sometimes is because they know even though we play an amateur sport we train like we're professionals and where would other players be from like obviously they'd be from Australia but what other countries or would there be other countries involved um no Australia is kind of um Australia would be it and then just Ireland, Australia, yeah, in general. So, okay, okay. yeah, um, yeah. So, then when uh, you, you, yeah, you saw the ad, you came up, you went over. So, did you? So, before you went over, you had to record videos. So, did you just get some someone you know record videos, or did you get your sister to record videos, or, or what, what was that? What, like, was yeah. there a criteria? Um, I think they just wanted to see you like catching and picking up the ball and stuff like that. And um, because there's a lot of technique and all of that, but my dad had. I'm um, gone out to play with the Aussie Rules team. It was the Masters now a few years ago. So he was in Sydney playing with Ireland um, with the Masters Aussie Rules. So we actually had like a very old football here. I just had to give it a bit of a pump. So I had a football here now. It was very old. Um, but so, yeah, I was able to just go up um, to my park. And then, yeah, just literally they just wanted you to like literally catch the ball, kick it and stuff like that because it's very technique driven. So, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. And how did you find, we said, that aspect of the game, getting used to the to kicking, catching, and I suppose players coming in, as you saw, you know, that you wouldn't be kind of getting in, in the J. Yeah, so it's it's funny because I think um, you always would have thought, like, when you first, I remember the first few interviews I probably did about the difference between GAA and AFLW, I would have said, oh, the you know, the physicality. But now when I look back, it's definitely probably the game education um is completely massive but in terms of technique it's all completely different like um one thing I have found is if I'm going to catch a GA ball or I'm soloing I don't have to nearly keep my eyes in it I kind of know where it's going and I can just catch it and continue on whereas in AFLW you literally can't take your eyes off that ball because it could be spinning anyway and you could think it's not like a round ball you can just catch it like this could be coming anyway and you drop it um so I found even that was different and then the kick and technique it's completely um straight leg kick like off the laces and then there has to be a specific ball drop so the ball like back spins but still goes forward um now and sometimes in games and you're in a stoppage and you don't have time and you just have to kick the ball but ideally they want you to kick it uh, correctly and then um the handball or well hand pass we call but they call it handball and it has to have the back spin like um your kick and 
um, how you're picking it up, how you position your body across the ball so that if you do get tackled when you're picking it up, you know, you're protecting yourself. And then obviously the tackling technique, um, you can't just go in and kind of pull anyone because you have to protect the player you're tackling too. Um, so that, that definitely took time and then the game education. So um, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of differences definitely. And how, like we see in the first couple of weeks, how did you replicate those scenarios or how did, did, did the club help you replicate those scenarios yeah so in my first year or two I used to do extra skill sessions and um, especially in pre-season on a Tuesday and Thursday mainly less just me and um just with the culture that or with anyone and it would just be simple basics run around the cone kick the ball back they'll kick out the ball you go up catch it and um, they'll roll the ball out you know pick the ball up um, and it's not like a GA ball that if I roll the ball out it's going to keep the same path they could roll the AFLW ball out and it could end up coming back against you. Do you know that kind of way? Um, so, yeah, I used to just do extra skill sessions, which was basically all that kind of hand passing, kicking, turning, kick, catch, all that kind of thing, um, which, yeah, it pays off definitely. Looking back now, before you left, um, Kevin, the level of commitment you had then versus level commitment to what we say you, you were doing in the AFL, AFWL. I know it's amateur versus semi-pro slash pro. Was there a big was there a big difference in, in the commitment level? Um yes and no. I think because as I said, like I had to extra skill session. So that was kind of like that needed to be done. So that was an extra two or three hours of training on top of your normal training week. But in some in one way like as well because it is semi-professional so we train in evening times because girls we've teachers we've paramedics and stuff so they have to come from work to go to training very like the way it is here at county football um you know so girls might be coming off night shift and turning up to train or you have your teachers or anyone basically a lot of them have jobs especially in the first in my first few years because the pay was so little everyone needed a job um so the commitment wise um in that sense was very similar to Gaelic football however um there was never the difficulty or never not near as much as here you know we had we knew we were training um where we train Monday Tuesday or Monday Wednesday Friday night it wasn't like we're waiting to hear where we're training on Monday and then Friday night's different or um you know and we could access the gym at certain times and we had our own gym whereas you know especially here now um you're trying to find pitches you don't know where your game's going to be do you know that kind of thing um so I found that that's definitely different but the level of commitment no I think I kind of always gave a lot of commitment to county football as well and I still do my own bit of skill sessions um and would have so in one sense it's kind of it was the same but definitely there was more training hours than there was here I, hope, I suppose you know it's good asking you this now because you've been over there for for a number of years um, and you played over there for a number of years but would you have had any misconceptions about the game prior to going over um yeah to be well actually to be honest I hadn't watched much games prior to going over and I remember kind of watching bits in um like at the start and stuff and trying to figure it out and um in one sense I was like oh there just seems to be no structure to this game like you know sometimes they're getting it and they're just kicking it but then or you know the tackling and stuff like that you kind of just assume like oh it's just tackle kick whatever but then when you play it you're like no you're trying to get the structure going but because it's a contact game not everything works out as planned um and then sometimes it is a structured game so this sometimes the free flow in nature isn't there like in Gaelic football you know 
you might have a boundary kick in, but there's a specific way to kick it. Whereas in GA, you might just be kicking the ball in from the sideline and it could go anywhere kind of thing, or you're just looking for a free player. Um, so yeah, I, I think just kind of understanding the structure and was it like a structured sport or um, what was a big thing. So when, when you, you played with Kevin, at, you're on the county panel when you were 16. I know we're kind of going back and forth now. Um, so how many yeah. years did you give with Kevin before we say this opportunity came up? Oh, I think, I don't even know what year I am with Kevin now um, in terms of how many years I've been playing with them. Um, oh, I think I think I went out to Australia after I turned 21. So it was maybe five years, maybe. I was mm-hmm. with Kevin and then I went out to Australia. But because the season was um, December till March or November till March, whatever, you got to play a full club and county basically championship season so I got to play both sports then whereas then obviously last year when it changed from June to November um, that obviously completely affected county football so last year was my um, first year not playing county football and how do you find the county senior back? football how do you find being back now playing um, I absolutely love it I'm just so grateful to be back I think because I didn't have the year playing last year Um. You know, it was it was definitely hard watching in and even like seeing my club team, they made a intermediate championship final and my three sisters were playing and I couldn't I obviously wasn't there. So um I I am grateful to be back because it's the sport I kind of grew up playing and it's um it really is my identity. So um, you know, it's it's nice to be back and just in with the girls and my teammates and stuff and back in with the coaches and just um yeah, back into what I know. Look, everyone paints these things in in uh in a great light, and you only see the great things on social media. But we say the first couple of months, or even yeah, first couple of months in Australia, um, how did you deal with the homesickness? And you know, you're well, maybe you might have been okay, but we say adjusting to the new game, everything new. Do you know, a lot of things are are coming at you so quickly. How do you deal with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in my first year because we didn't get to finish out the season. And I remember I went out in November and I was coming home for Christmas. Um, and then the season was starting like three weeks after Christmas. Like I got to go home for like a week and then season was starting. And then uh, my boyfriend was coming out and then my dad was going to come out, but then COVID hit. So I felt like I wasn't away for long and everything was so new. So I like, I didn't experience any homesickness. And then the second year, um, I didn't have to go out till late. That's when I did the uh, quarantine over Christmas. And um, then I remember I, that was what, December. And then I was home. Um, I think I was home in March. So I felt like I wasn't away for long. So um, I didn't experience any homesickness then. But then it, I think it was, what, like four seasons done now. So it was my third season when Australia completely locked and uh, went into lockdown. And I remember I was at home in Ireland here and it was a Tuesday and I was just out in my gym. And I got a phone call and it was basically like, um, your flight is Friday. And I was like, oh my God, like, because, because the way the country and like the flights and stuff were, we didn't know when we'd be flying. It was kind of like, when we say you're flying, like, just be ready to go. And I remember like, it really hit me and I was like, oh my God, like I'm flying, it's Tuesday now and I have to be in Dublin airport at five in the morning. Cause I think my flight was at like eight and I remember being like, oh, like, what do I do? Like, and I'm in a relationship as well. So I was like, this is this is just a lot and when I remember I kind of like was panicking because I was like I want to go back but I'm just so like so unprepared I think I'm just a person who needs to be like somewhat organized um but anyways yeah I went out and I did that quarantine and then um 
you know, had Christmas and stuff over there. And then I think it was kind of then when like there was no sign of like Australia opened the borders. And I was like, oh, then that's when I think I kind of experienced some homesickness because it's like, you know, um, my partner's at home, my, um, you know, my family's at home. And it was just like, it was just kind of like a lot. So I did remember experiencing that. So I used to bring home like a lot, but I talked to the sports psychologist and stuff about it and the club kind of knew. Um, but then like Australia opened up and then um, my partner got to come out and my dad got to come out. So like it was all fine. But I think it was kind of the unknown. I've been like, and at that time, I think they didn't know when the season was going to start either because the COVID cases were kind of all over the place. Um, so I remember just being like, I, I don't know really what's going on here. Um, and I suppose when I don't, uh, maybe it was like the fact that I didn't know anything like the plan or that, that was kind of freaking me out too. But um, there definitely was a period there in my third season and then um, of homesickness. And I suppose I just talked to people and I used to ring home and I was very open about it as well. Like, you know, I'm, I feel like it's it's nothing to be, you know, afraid to be open about. Um, but yeah, no, and just being so close to my family, like it was hard um not being able to see them but then once my dad stuff got to come out like it was very um it was very special for me it must have been difficult being away from your uh your boyfriend as well or your your, your partner because you know especially like you you touched on something there it's the the unknown you know you weren't you didn't know when you were going to be back home and and when you get to, to see yeah. him again like but uh um no it's good that it's hopefully there's hopefully that's yeah. in the rear of a mirror now um yeah just would say a player, you know, a player like you, um, you've been extremely successful, you know, going over to, to Australia, playing a professional sport, um, all but semi professional, it's 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 more it's more or less professional. Um what benefit does like a sports agency slash sports management company like Sport Endorse provide uh, a player like you? Oh, it really, it definitely really helps the player because I think, um, especially now that there's more exposure of players and um, it's very hard, I know myself, to like navigate or know what to do or know what to say in settings. And, you know, if someone reaches out to you and wants to work with you and you don't really know what to say. So it's always nice to have someone who this is their job and you can ask them any question or rely on them or you know not have that kind of hard talk that you might have to have with someone you know they're always there and there's such a support and especially um for anyone even like whether you're abroad and that's where your agency is or here in Ireland um just to have someone and you know they do more than just you know get you jobs and stuff they're always there for that you know help and hand or talk or if you know, you need some other help or you're not sure what to do or you're at a crossroads and um yeah the work they do can really just help you as a person but also you as a player well along from that and you you touched it there you you know you spoke to a sports psychologist you know some some people wouldn't be open with their feelings from your experience what you know what can you add to that and what been you know what benefit is there for people to you know to express how they feel because obviously you know some people just aren't like that yeah, and I think um I think that's one thing I probably wouldn't have been at the a, a while ago. I think I would have been like, no, everything's fine. And until I kind of not breaking point, but until I hit a certain point, I don't need help. But I think as I've got older and kind of just been in and out, you know, like I've been talking to sports psychologists and stuff. I think I've realized that even if you don't think there's anything wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with talking to someone. Um you know like and this is one thing I laugh about like I might have I might be in the best humor ever and 
you know, absolutely nothing's going wrong and I feel good, I'm playing good, I'm training good. And I sit down to talk with a sports psychologist and sometimes all they say is like, are you okay? And then it just this wave of sadness comes over and I'm like, actually, you know what? No, there was something that was annoying me, but I tried to put a mental block on and forget about it and put on this face that everything was perfect and it's not. And um, even sometimes that's not the case. And you're like, no, all's good and life's good and I'm happy out and stuff like that. But I do think, you know, sometimes we can leave it too late to look for help. And I remember seeing, um, I remember seeing a post and it had like um, a green smiley face and then a somewhat smiley face, uh, like a normal face, a sad and then a really sad. And it was like, in the middle is when you ask for help. Don't wait till it gets to the very, you know, till you're at your worst to ask for help. When you're feeling 50%, that's that's the least, just to let it go before asking for help. Yes, if you're 70, 80, 90, whatever, um, and you feel okay, that's okay. But don't let it go any lower than 50% before you reach out to someone and look for help because sometimes it's harder to come back when you're lower than that than it is when you're at 50% of your best um, in terms of mood and stuff. So you could be feeling 20% of yourself and your mood and energy and things like that. And, you know, it's very hard to get work your way back up. Whereas at 50%, you can be like, okay, no. And then as time goes on, you can build back up to that feeling you're 100% best. But um. Yeah, I definitely would be one for like even, you know, talking out and being like, you know, definitely reach for help, even if you think there's absolutely nothing wrong and you have the availability to talk to someone um, definitely do it because um, sometimes a problem shared is a problem half. So, um, you know, it's it's good to reach out. Are you the type of person that I, I think you said you weren't before, but you, you, you've become more aware of, the, of it, but awareness of how you're feeling because you know the way sometimes like people aren't aware of oh i'm feeling sad even though they are feeling sad yeah you you, you know what i'm trying to say are you that type of person or are you just kind of understanding it now more um i'm only starting to understand it now a bit more and i think because i i've listened to loads of podcasts and i do journaling and stuff like that and i try to be as open with myself and i think this all came from if i'm completely honest that part of homesickness I had in my third season everything else for that I'd never reached out to sports psychologist and then I think I went through this stage of just like I was upset and stuff and reached out and um I think that was when then I started to kind of tune into my inner self um now in saying that I I am definitely an overthinker so like for example I could do something wrong in a game and I'd still be thinking about it days after and I you know it takes someone like I, there's one of my sisters I turn to and she just say it out and she's like you know get over it like you made a mistake everyone makes a mistake and sometimes I find it's good to have a person like that that's just black and white being like you know it's a mistake it's fine it's not the end of the world you're going to make them whatever um because I we had a game at the weekend and you know I was you know I was chatting to her then yesterday like and today you know yesterday was Monday and you know, she was like, I can't believe you're still thinking about that mistake you made. And I'm like, I know. And that's the type of person I am, you know. So I do overthink. But then I do take some time to myself, um, whether it's my walk in the morning or I do journaling or I sometimes just sit and think to myself uh, and I kind of tune in and just kind of like get out what I'm feeling and, um, you know, whether that's good or bad. You touch on some there, the journaling, and I think that's something that like, it's like even if it's just a brain dump it's extremely powerful like when you start writing down what's going on in your head yeah. um and it's it's definitely something that you know when you do go to these places they encourage you to do because it does uh it does uh like you said get it out of your brain and you can you can you can think forward then 
Um, before I, I, I kind of delve into too much, I'd like to just kind of bring it back. And I think it's important to understand the evolution of the women's game in, in Australia. Um, it was something interesting. It was, I don't, it was only played up to Oz kicks or they used to play Oz kicks and then it was stopped after that. Can you just kind of give us a bit of, bit of context there? Yeah, so this is actually one thing I'm always asking the girls. I'm like it, it still confuses me, and I I like to know more about it so that like I, like in this kind of situation I can talk more about it. So, from my understanding, was they were allowed to play up till under twelves or under fourteens. This was a few years ago now, and after that it was like okay, there's no pathway for girls who want to play AFL, um. So you're going to have to try a new sport. So for example, we have girls that played soccer, that played basketball. Um, you know, we've girls that were in different sports who played, um, you know, Oz kick, which is your underage um, footy all the way up, but then obviously had to move to a different pathway. And then it was only a few years after then they said, okay, after once you're, um, I think, over 18, you can then go just play like local footy, which was just like basically a bit of fun. Um, but there was a few years there where it had to stop. So a lot of girls would naturally enough just quit finishing the game because they're like, well, I want to play sport, but there's no pathway for me in this sport. So I'm going to get into soccer or netball or basketball or whatever. So um, it was only up until recently, like a few years ago, then they said, OK, no, we can still continue with under 14s, under 16s um, and so on. So that's why to some girls, the game, like I know the AFLW competition is still only in seventh year. But for some girls, they had to skip a few years of playing football, whereas we compare it to here. We've literally played under 12s the whole way up. You know, I've played under 14, under 16, minor. I've literally just been playing GAM like throughout all my age groups, whether that's club or county. Whereas, um, you know, for some of the girls, like this sport went back relatively new to them because they played it growing up or maybe they didn't because, you know, there was no pathway for them. So they were kind of just went straight into a different sport. But um, yeah, it's only in recent years where they've um stopped that. And now like there's... Um, you know, the girls' ages kind of go up through all the ranks. Would you have seen some girls that would have stopped with say at, at at twelve or fourteen and, and they've they you know they're playing in, in the squad now? Um not as much, but what I would see is the ones that didn't stop. So the ones that got to play all through the ages. So they're the ones they're probably twenty one below now. So that's kind of the age group. Their skill level is much greater um, coming in, especially from the draft than uh, maybe some of the kind of um, older players who had to stop. So like, I just know some of our players very good on their right and left um, their decision-making and stuff, but they've played up through all the ranks. So their skills would probably a little bit ahead of people. Um, and even like you see some of the um, newer draftees and stuff, um, there'd be, a, there'd be a few that like, they're just, they're coming in and it's like second nature to them. There's not as big as jump maybe as there was for other people. And what's the draft system like? Are, are you, is every player put into the draft every year or what's the, the makeup? Also, I'm, to be honest, I'm probably, um, I'm not 100% sure. I do know there was a draft um, last year because the season was moved. They then had to do this really quick draft or something. Um, so a lot of the ones that got drafted were actually still doing their leave insert as such. It's not called it leave insert, but um, so it was very hard for them. And then that season, the season was running while their like leave insert as such was on. Um, whereas there's another draft coming up, which I think is the same people who didn't get picked up in the last draft. Now more people can enter, but there has to be a certain age group age 
to be in the draft. So I know a lot of people that maybe didn't get picked up in the draft um, back in maybe it was July or August um, can enter in the draft that's coming up maybe in the next two months for the next season. What advice would you give to, to girls, you know, who are listening to this or, or, or will see, see you on social media that would like to pursue something, you know, a, a route like you in, in professional sport? Yeah, so I think because the game is massively growing so much and especially like as we talked about there, there's no um groups stopping playing football. So they're playing up through the ranks. So they're freshly ready to come in from the draft. Um, so they're going to be going to be experienced. I think the best thing for any Irish player looking to get playing is to have experience playing the game, whether that's with a team here in Ireland or maybe if you've moved out to Australia and you can get playing either local footy or VFLW, as I discussed, if you can get picked up at a team. Because now, because they have such numbers, well, not maybe this year or next year, but there will be a time where they will have a lot of Australians to choose from. Kind of like the way the men's is, that only maybe one or two men's go every other year. Um, have experience and get exposure to the game so that you can have... Um, another help and step and stone rather than just your fitness and physicality that you can say actually here's some footage of me playing this game or here's me here's footage of me um training with this team here in Ireland and um, I think that's going to be a massive help for anyone looking to play the game I face this struggle a lot of times and I'd, I'd like to get your input into it but when people ask you about Gaelic football how do you describe it Oh, it's it's so funny because even um I was chatting to one of the girls in Australia there yesterday and I was just explaining to her how there's no rotations because in AFLW there's rotations. So you have um, 16 players on the field and then you have five on the bench as such. So you rotate every few minutes. So you might have two rotations in the forward, two in the backs and one in the midfield or two in the midfield. So um, and that's broken up into splits. So it might be minute three, five, seven nine and it's only a 16 minute quarter so I mightn't start but I'll come on at minute three and I'll play it till minute 12 and then I come off again so it's but like it's you have to come off so someone else can get on you know, you're constantly rotating on and off and um, whereas here I was remember I was explaining I was like oh yeah no I was midfield but um you know you play your 60 minutes and they're like like how'd you to rotate I was like no you don't rotate in this game you know that kind of thing but um, no, I try to explain it to them as like a mix. I, I'm like, think of a soccer ball. And then um, we solo it back up and they're like, oh, what's a solo? So you have to explain, okay, you kick it back up to yourself and you take four steps and you can't bounce it twice in a row and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's very hard to explain. I'm just like, look it up on YouTube. And then I'm like, actually look this up on YouTube, look up Hurling or Camogie on YouTube. And then they look up that and they're absolutely blown away by that. I'm like, go look at the highlights and stuff. Um, but yes, the best thing to do is just to show them a video. <laughs> is there one thing that you've seen in, in the Australian game that you'd like to be, or that would be good to be brought into the ladies game here in, in, in Ireland? Um, there's not, uh, I, I, I haven't thought of anything because I've been asked this before and there's never one thing that like, I'm in one sense, I'm glad there's no rotations in Gaelic football because Sometimes they can mess up in AFLW, so it's very hard to get on and off the field. Um, they do have, um, um, well, they're called umpires, but they're referees. They have, I think, two on the field, I think. Um, so maybe that's something, because sometimes not not all refs see everything. Um, so I don't know. I don't even know if I'd include that in, but 
Um, no, I'm happy that there's like no mark in GA because I like the free flowing aspect of the game. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing that can stand out to me yet. So we'll we'll we're coming towards the end now. Um, and we we spoke off air that you know for in the off season and in conjunction with with playing over, you do a bit of online coaching. Um, can you bring us through that? And you're an athletic therapist. Is that same yeah. as physiotherapist or what's the difference? Yeah, so athletic therapy. So I did that in DCU. So it's athletic therapy and training. So um, physiotherapy covers a range of stuff between cardio um, or respiratory and um, musculoskeletal and like different things like that. And like can work in a hospital-based setting where um, athletic therapy basically just covers the musculoskeletal side of things. So um anything got to do with the you know injury not even just injuries but just the musculoskeletal system um but sports injuries is probably the main thing people get into it or like working in a a clinic kind of thing um so that was that side of it and then there's a the training side of it so um we did nutrition and all that kind of thing and the biomechanics and stuff um so i did that in dcu and then um yeah it kind of helped I did a personal training course as well, just to have that qualification. So, um, yeah, I kind of mixed the two of them together. I was doing um, a lot of athletic therapy. So I'd be covering football games at my local men's team or, you know, doing um, injury assessments and stuff like that. But it probably wasn't the smartest choice, given that I'm training every other evening, because you'd be asked to cover a game on a Sunday and you're like, oh, I actually have my own game so it it just wasn't working out for me and I was like I am the worst person ever because you know they, you're wanting to cover games and stuff and generally I'd have a game or something else on the same time or I'd be coming from one to the other so it was very hard to find the balance so um, I then kind of figured I moved over to the online stuff which actually started in COVID um, when I kind of focused on what you know what could I do in this time um, and yeah that's kind of I suppose having that kind of online hybrid kind of thing kind of works probably best for me at the moment given that my schedule could literally be anything in any country <laughs> and how's that going for you like is it is there a lot of uptake with the huge amount of Irish going out there now yeah so um I'd have a lot of um Irish client Irish people in Australia and um, funny enough so it's the you know at one stage the time zone was perfect because I was over there but now it's like I'm back in Ireland so there is that time zone difference but um yeah no it's going good and I, I suppose having the um the football and probably the AFLW background has helped me too because um you know it builds your builds your following and stuff which in turn can build your client base um and then word of mouth and things like that but I I think um yeah no it, it's been going very good and um, I think people look at me, I I like to have a very balanced lifestyle approach. That probably helps someone um, when looking for a coach. And with the page, what do you want to put across? Like your, I see you're putting out um, exercises and, and nutrition. Is, is that that's the main goal, is it? Yes and no. So I'm I'm very much, as I said, I'm like a balanced I person or I like to imagine myself as. And I do have a lot of um, female following and even a lot of younger girls and stuff um, probably who play football or, you know, things like that. So I do try to normalize um, all things females, whether that's like normalizing just because I, you know, play um, high level sports doesn't mean I, you know, you don't have cellulite or stretch marks or, you know, even things got to do with the menstrual cycle and stuff. So I kind of cover all of them areas because I feel like 
when I was growing up, no one was covering that. And, you know, sometimes you just need someone to ask or you need, you're like, I don't know if this is normal or not. And you're seeing things on social media from other people that, you know, don't have these um, bumps or blemishes and stuff. And you're like, okay, well, maybe there's something wrong with me that I do. So I tried to be like, um, no, well, look at, I, you know, I'm quite active. I'm quite fit. I train, I eat well and stuff, but this is normal. And this is part of the process. So I like to do that stuff. And then obviously post, um, workout ideas because I know sometimes it's hard to find workout ideas and then some recipes and um yeah all that kind of thing I think that's extremely important and especially what you touched on there about we say situations or experiences you know girls might go through that they're not too sure whether it's normal or not especially when they're playing sport so that's uh that's extremely beneficial and have you been getting kind of feedback on that or yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely every time I kind of do something like that, um, you know, it always gets a great response or I get such lovely messages from people being like, you know, they kind of needed that or um, especially even stuff with the menstrual cycle, because I feel like that can still mm-hmm. be such a taboo subject. And, um, you know, it's fair. I think it's good to talk about and, um, you know, be open about it, because I think, you know, I remember growing up, you'd be so afraid and stuff to mention it, whereas like. I kind of want to be that relatable person to people that they, you know, feel like they can look up to or reach out to or, you know, have conversations and stuff with and not feel embarrassed or anything like that. Definitely. That's that's extremely important. And it's um, fair play to you for, for doing that, you know, and using the platform to do that. And I suppose just to add on from, or to carry on from that is the way, you know, some uh, some teams now have moved away from white shorts it, it, I think it's a great thing but I'm surprised it wasn't done earlier you know yeah it's you know what it's absolutely brilliant and I just think you know I've seen more and more teams do it I just think it's I just remember going back um, a few years ago because one of my sisters like organizes the club gear here for my um, football team here I remember one time because to be fair, my mom used to always be giving out as well about how hard it was to wash white football shorts Do you know like if you were playing on a dirty ground and stuff and they'd be staying from the grass or whatever and I remember I don't know we were sitting around and she came up with the idea of being like actually you know what I'm going to order these navy shorts um now I don't think this was a thing back then this was a few years ago and I remember she just put in the like ladies uh whatsapp group and like you know was anyone interested and everyone was like yes definitely order me a pair so she put in an order and we got um navy football shorts that matched our jerseys and then all of a sudden the men's team were like oh my god they are unbelievable can we order some so it became a thing and I remember even thinking back then being like oh my god this is just going to be a lifesaver especially for any girl um you know that might have their period or stuff like the navy shorts number one will help hide you know the embarrassment associated with that and number two as I was saying my mom saying how hard it is to wash white shorts um so I remember that started back then and I remember being like with Cav and we wore white shorts and like if they weren't from a good manufacturer sometimes they were see-through and like it literally would be everyone's worst nightmare like it's it's awful to say but it absolutely was I remember being like I can't wear this brand because this is see-through you know and you know it would that was very hard at the time as well and then I remember it, only recently Calvin brought in the navy shorts and I was like oh my god this is brilliant and then um it has definitely in the last I think two years been a thing now where a lot of teams is bringing in the darker shorts, mm-hmm. which like is just for any girl growing up, especially as I said, the younger ages when you're afraid and you're embarrassed to talk maybe to your friends about it, or you're embarrassed to say anything to your parents or things like that, that it kind of like, it helps 
hide that that you're not like talking to someone like okay I'm so afraid to play because you lose focus on your training or you lose focus in your game because you're completely worried about something else so I think this is an absolutely such a positive thing and it's so great to see so many teams doing it and what advice would you give to to girls you know sometimes when they reach that age you say I, I think it was it or a farmer did a, I had her on the podcast a couple of years ago I think she was doing a PhD on drop off rate for girls you know what what advice would you kind of give to girls to to help them to continue playing sport? You know, I suppose when they go into secondary school, that kind of happens. Yeah. I think you just, I, I, there definitely is a large dropout rate. And I do think after kind of you finish secondary school and maybe you move to university and it's harder to make trainings and then you're having such a fun time at your friends that like you nearly forget, you know, about your trainings or your, you know, if you're like, you kind of lose interest or, maybe you don't get selected and you're like, well, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time doing this or things like that. I think it's very important to just stick with it and keep trust in the process. Yes, you might not get selected or yes, you might have other commitments and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, when you look back in years, it's the best time you have spent and it's the best fun and you make some of the best memories with it too. Um, and just keep sticking with it, even if things don't seem like they're working out and it can seem like that a lot just keep focusing on it and make good memories and have fun with your friends and don't be worried about what everyone else is saying if they're like oh you shouldn't be doing that or you shouldn't be going there or um you know because often you know I, I remember growing up especially I'd be like I actually can't go to this junior disco because I have a game that happened many times and as long as your friends can understand that and that's where your priorities are and um, that's okay too. But there can be that peer pressure as well associated with like, why are you going to train? And like, you should be doing this. So just keep um, focusing on your beliefs and what you want to do. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And I got a couple of questions in. Most of them we've, we've covered. Uh, one of them was yeah. advice you'd give to a girl trying to make a minor team. Yes. So I think... Um, I, I do get asked this a lot as well and I find that if you can show you can work hard and adapt to situations and keep putting in the work and as I said earlier on keep trust in the process like if you know you're putting in the work and you're doing what you can then things will pay off but don't be hard on yourself if you make a mistake and I think we can all fall into that where we're so hard on ourselves when we make a mistake because we want to be perfect Perfect. and unfortunately no one is ever going to be perfect you are going to go to training and you're going to make a mistake or you're going to be in a game and you're going to make a mistake but it's how you react to that which is the important thing and what coaches will look out for so if you take a shot and you miss they will look to see will you drop your head or will you adapt to the situation like you know what okay I'm going to get the ball again and we're going to try or we're going to do something good with the ball and um, so just don't put too much pressure pressure on yourself but um keep putting in the hard work and keep trusting the process do you have a morning routine? Yes, I do. I'm a, a creature of routine. So um, here, I suppose the weather can be hit and miss, but um, I like to wake up and I kind of make myself a coffee. And then the first thing I like to do is either go outside around my house or I'll go for a walk. And it might only be a 20 minute walk, but um, it's kind of just to get sunlight in just into my system. And it's kind of my kind of I like it's like how I like to wake up because in Australia it was so easy to do that to get up and 
get out and go for a walk. But um, obviously here it can be different and it can be darker mornings. But that's kind of my number one thing is I wake up, I make my bed, I make myself a coffee and then I go out and get some fresh air. And then I'm ready to look at whatever I have to do for that day. But for that 30, 40 minutes, whatever it is, it's my time. And emails and stuff like that can wait till after after that's done. So you leave the phone away when you do that, yeah? You just go with a couple of Yeah, coffee. I don't... I, I yeah I don't I think especially when you work for yourself it's so easy to keep looking at your emails at times and you and that's one thing I I fell into a bad habit of doing in my first few years of being an online coach it was I would be responding to emails at the craziest of times because I felt I needed to and I remember being like okay I need to have my off time and I it would it increase your anxiety levels or your stress levels because I've read studies and stuff on it about when you look at your phone first thing in the morning you see all these notifications it increases your cortisol levels which is your stress hormone because your body's like oh my god what so I try to not look at my phone and within I don't look at my phone till I get downstairs anyway so I'll make my bed all that kind of thing in my morning routine and then I'll go downstairs but I don't like to go on and like look at um whatsapps especially if you're in a whatsapp group or something like that there could be loads of messages going in of absolutely nothing so <laughs> little things like that can really increase your stress level so I don't like to do that and emails and stuff I kind of like to set myself and um, specific work times to work between because and um, you can fall into a bad habit of just you know it could be five o'clock in the morning and you're like oh my god I need to reply and you're like no I need to be asleep <laughs> do you know that kind of thing so yeah you touched on something there about um anxiety when anxiety sits uh sets in do you release release mechanism release mechanism when you're anxious or you know to deal with uh difficult situations um I kind of touched on it earlier on but definitely writing down about my feelings um and listening to music it would be my two things and it'd be just kind of nice soothing music kind of just and being out in the fresh air like I love being outside so it might just be literally walking around my house with earphones on or walking and just going for a walk listening to music and trying to zone out or I do like to journal and maybe just like write about what I'm feeling and maybe why I'm feeling this way and sometimes when you write it down and you can look at it from like you know the outside and you kind of can see okay well that's something that's out of my control so I don't know why I'm worrying about that worrying is not going to change the outcome um, it could be something simple so it's about like I found like just focusing on the things that are in my control helps kind of keep me and my stress levels kind of at bay nobody knows what the next five years will look like or what's uh, what's ahead of you so you don't even know what's happening next couple of months with, uh, no with the I don't season. even know what's happening next week <laughs> uh, but in, look yeah. ideally where would you like to see yourself in five years time I know this might get you in a bit of trouble now depending on how you answer but <laughs> can I just be very um philosophical and just be like in the next five years I just hope to be happy and healthy to be honest um do you know I don't think there's any destiny like I this is just going to sound so cringy or something but I could say I want to be in Australia and I want to be doing this 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 but that doesn't necessarily mean I'd be happy or I could say I want to be in Ireland and I want to be living here and I want to have this amount of clients but again that doesn't mean I'm happy you know and so I'm just going to be very like plain Jane here and just be like I just hope wherever I am in the next five years whatever I'm doing that I'm in a good headspace I'm happy I have my, my family friends all my loved ones around me and everything is good <laughs>
Brilliant. Brilliant. You, you, you dodged yeah. that one nice, didn't <laughs> Dodged that one. A political answer. Political Didn't answer. answer it. <laughs> uh, would you practice visualization um, either consciously or, or subconsciously? Yeah, so sometimes I have practiced it before. Um, probably because we, um, in Australia, I definitely kind of do more so where like I might be holding a football and it's before we go out um before our game so um we usually have a good bit of time in the changing room and it might be music playing and people are doing whatever so I might take a few minutes to myself sit in my little like part of the dressing room and I'll hold a football and I'll just completely zone out and just kind of spin the football around and you know imagine and think about the game ahead of me um or sometimes I might literally just be sitting at home and I have a few songs that I listen to that like really tune me into visualizing um you know, what maybe the game coming up. So even like I might be driving to a game or like I was driving to the game Sunday and there's a few tunes I know when I put them on, it, it's like my pre-game playlist that it kind of like zones me into the game. So um, yeah, I kind of have them kind of things that help me. I love asking my guests this. I've gotten some crazy, uh, crazy answers. But what are two daily non-negotiables? Oh, Two <laughs> yeah, daily yeah. non-negotiables. It's usually an answer. Whoa, whoa, I think about this. <laughs> See, it depends what way I want to answer this. Um, I could say, so non-negotiable, no matter what, would be my morning coffee. That's kind of my wake up. Um, I have set myself New Year's resolution that I need to make my bed every single day this year, no matter if I'm in some country or wherever I am. So that's probably going to have to be my second one because I did actually hear a fact that only 9% of people stick to their New Year's resolutions. So I was like, okay, well, I want to be in that 9%. So that's probably going to have to be my second one um, is to make my bed. But I know I could be like, oh, no, I need to um, do my gratitude, which is another thing I like to. I don't know. I don't know if there's two I can pick. It it kind of could be like, one can be like very materialistic about like, you know, I need a coffee or whatever. But then another can be like, no, I need to go out and get fresh air. That's like, no matter what, that's kind of what I do. But yeah. Do you have any superstitions? Any superstitions? Um, Never put new shoes. I never put shoes on the table. Never. What? Never put um, shoes on, new shoes on the table. And another one, which is just my mom and dad always say is never buy anything Um on a Saturday or like never like so did never let me buy a car or any of us buy a car on a Saturday or like um anything like it might be like even um yeah because they say Saturdays smitten is short sitting so basically it means anything you get on that day will be short sitting so like I remember my cousin was going to pick up a car and like they were like my parents were like oh my god no like don't pick it up on Saturday so she's like okay no I won't I'll pick it up Monday do you know that kind of thing because it apparently won't last long so Ooh. I don't know if anyone has <laughs> heard that one so if anyone shops on a Saturday maybe don't brilliant that's that's a classic actually yeah. that's that's a brilliant one actually geez no, I, I one I heard as well yeah. before is putting on the left sock and the left shoe before the right sock and the right shoe but yeah that's uh Jeez, that's brilliant. No, I've I've none of them kind of sport ones, none like that, you know, you have to do anything. But um yeah, the the Saturday one is a big one kind of in this house, like yeah. Oh jeez. So last question, do you have a motto you live by? Um 
let me see just appreciate the small things I think is just I just think I'm very um I think COVID kind of changed a lot of people and definitely made me appreciate the small things things like your health um and happiness and I think because it is was so hard on everyone and in patches like you know a lot of people struggled and stuff like that or we took a lot for granted I think it just really made me really appreciate the small things in life Brilliant. Brilliant. On that point, look, we'll, uh, we'll finish it up. Ashley, thanks very much for taking time out to come on an interview podcast and best luck with, with Kevin and with Collingwood over the next couple of seasons. Thank you very much. That is all from us on this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Ashling. If you'd like to know more about Ashling, be sure to check out the Sport Endorse website or the link in the show notes. We'd ask you to rate, review and tell your friends, family about the podcast and be sure to click subscribe if you haven't done so already. We're also available on all social media platforms so be sure to give us a follow. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest. Till then, stay safe and remember, cred on it fan. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.